to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're answering your mailbag questions. We'll do the Apple reviews and then get to the thread I posted on Twitter for your questions. And remember, we're doing this weekly during the season as well. So each week, get those five-star reviews up on whichever platform you listen to and also the mailbag on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Plus, I owe you a Trey Flowers breakdown from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and start this thing off with some Trey Flowers coverage as the Dolphins added him to their roster this week. And I went through a few game tapes, both with the Patriots and the Lions and the pro football focused data to get a feel for his game at this stage of his career. Let's go ahead and start with the, actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and start with the media from the last few days because we have both had both general manager Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel discussing the Trey Flowers acquisition. Let's go ahead and start here with Dolphins GM Chris Greer after the Dolphins had signed Trey Flowers. Yeah, I think, you know, Trey's familiarity with our, our system and scheme helps. You know, he was with New England and Josh, obviously, and um, those guys. So um, E-Rob and those guys, so he has those guys here on, on the roster. And so um, we were kind of looking for someone with his skill set, a guy that can play, you know, all along the line of scrimmage. You know, if his time in New England, he, he could do some rush inside as well, too, which, is, which will help. So I think his versatility and what he's done, you know, he's still – you know, 28 years old, you know, um, we understand, you know, that he's had, you know, uh, some bad luck with injuries a couple of years, but here he's not asked to come in here and be a star force. He's come here just to be a good player and, and help us like he is. And, and he's a great teammate, good person. Everything we've heard about him is uh, from people in New England and Detroit about what kind of character and person he was. So um, excited to add him here, uh, just us being around him just for a few days. Really, really good dude. Um, so excited to form and looking forward to see how he fits in the scheme here with our guys. And Coach McDaniel was asked about the reports of the Trey Flowers signing before it had been made official, and he talked about how he couldn't confirm it and was it hopeful that the deal could potentially get done. Now we know that it is. So here is Coach McDaniel on the new Miami outside linebacker. What, what I saw was a, um, a guy that's in shape, uh, that's, that's ready to play, He's a consummate professional um, with a lot of versatility to his game and length um, and, and plays. Uh, his style of football um, is uh, conducive to, uh, you know, the style we play. Um, his versatility is attractive. So, I think that point off the top with Chris Greer there about how Trey Flowers has had some bad luck with injury these last two years 302 snaps last year, 309 back in 2020, and how we have you know a role here where he can come in and be a part of that machine up front full of versatile, powerful guys that can just control the point and execute these many rush games of Josh Boyer. He's a guy who's done it at a very high level within a very similar defensive construction previously in his career, and I'm really excited about that. 
because while his 2021 just wasn't up to his usual standard of excellence he's enjoyed so far in his career, if you go back to his entire career in New England, his rookie season in 2015 was the only year where he didn't have high, high volume production and very, very efficient production. Even in the 2020 injury-shortened season with the Detroit Lions, he was really effective that year. Pro Football Focus certainly thought so. They give him the second highest grade of his career there. And I think it's important to note that the 2021 season, the outlier in terms of his PFF grades, his pass rush productivity, and not really his run-stop percentage because that was still there, but they both came when the Lions made a scheme change going from when Matt Patricia was the head coach there to now Aaron Glenn as the defensive coordinator under Dan Campbell and completely different defensive principles, rules, and structures. In fact, there's an article on Lions.com where Glenn talks about shifting from that two-gap hold-the-point style to more of an aggressive one-gap upfield attack. And, you know, this Dolphins team has guys that can do both of those things, certainly. I mean, Christian Wilkins makes a living off of playing a billion snaps, doing a billion different roles. But it's... for the most part, it's typically been, you know, hold your blocks, hold your gap and, and, you know, get your eyes in the right spot, come off those blocks and stack things up and allow guys like Jerome Baker to run all over the place and make plays. So Trey Flowers takes on blocks with the best of them and can move all over the formation, which we know how critically important that is down here as well, specifically on some of those sub rush packages, like on the particular instances where you want to get like a NASCAR package, where sometimes you've had Ogba and Phillips on the same side. Add Trey Flowers to that. That's your, you know, your pass rush front. If you want to go into a deep half dollar package where you have seven defensive backs in the field and you only want to bring three or four guys, like that might be your solution. You have so many different options within this defense for how guys can find their way onto the field. And then you just go look at his tape. It's full of a lot of the same type of wins that you'll see from Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips. But it's also a mix of what guys like Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins do because he's very, very adept at playing through his man and playing the run on the way to the quarterback. Those long arms and powerful hands, they show up a lot on his tape. His sacks tend to be where he'll rush upfield and put the tackle under some sort of urgency to get to a specific landmark and then change direction. And, you know, if the guy, if the tackle cuts off his speed rush, he can then throw the hands and kind of take control from there because at that point, the offensive tackle has to, you know, redirect and shift their body weight and his heavy hands and length allows him to make first contact, but also, you know, movable contact because he is so powerful. And a lot of his sack production is where he engages and discards. He's also just a terrific second, third, fourth effort type of rusher where, you know, got to go around this side, quarterback moves a little bit. You know, we have lots of plays in this defense where there's good coverage and quarterbacks have to kind of extend extend plays and make plays that way. Think about Josh Allen, who loves doing that and is very effective at doing that. He's the kind of guy that can, you know, not just blow by the quarterback with that bad habit of just being on the wrong, the absolute worst spot of the field behind the quarterback, but rather play with his eyes up and kind of track the quarterback and use, like I mentioned, that length and really good grip strength and heavy hands to defeat those secondary and third, you know, pass sets and pass block situations. So he's valuable in that regard. And the terrific balance that he has to fight through some doubles and also kind of angle to the quarterback, you know, not really that dissimilar to what my camp report was on Christian Wilkins and how he's able to squeeze through those tight gaps without losing his feet and almost gaining acceleration like a good running back does to the quarterback. 
I've been a big fan of his game for a while. I remember back in 2019 in free agency with all the reports that he was big on the Dolphins' radar, I was pretty bummed when he landed with the Lions because I thought he was you know, going to be a kind of a defensive cornerstone type of acquisition, but I don't think it's at all a bad consolation prize to get him three years down the line. Where, you know, obviously, you know, things change a lot in three years, but I think this guy can still play. And you heard Chris Greer talk about the shape that he's in. You know, at age 29, that's plenty good enough for me. He sounds like a guy that was hungry to get back on the roster and what a landing spot for him to return to this system because when you look at his production within the system going from 2017 through 2020 his pass rush productivity took a bit of a drop in 2020 at 7.1% the 3 years prior 13.9% 13.8% and 12.8% that is pressures per pass rush rep so effectively impacting the opposing team's passing game on your pass rush opportunities. And then his run stop percentage, there's not really much of a change at all. I mean, it's been better in certain years, but in 2020, 11.9%, 2019, 13.9%, and 2018, it was 15.2, and then 2017 to 10.8. So a better than 10% every single year, his last four years in the system in terms of per rundown snap, making a tackle within two yards of the line of scrimmage. It's a big part of his game as well. So plays the pass, plays the run. And hell, even last year in the scheme change, he was still at 10.5% run stop rate. So, you know, between 2017, 2019, he played over 2,100 snaps and totaled 186 pressures and 101 run stops. And now you pair him with Wilkins, Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, Melvin Ingram, John Jenkins. My goodness, That is some real depth up front. So that's your crash course on Trey Flowers. Let's do the mailbag next. But first, we have some new Apple reviews that I want to go ahead and get to. You guys, I I put out the call a couple podcasts ago, and all of a sudden, the Apple reviews got flooded. So I want to go ahead and read those guys. Thank you very much uh, for making that happen. Lightning Lou the Fourth, I believe is the name, uh, just writes a five-star review. Thanks. First listen of the day. Love the positive energy and knowledge. Love the depth and knowledge you give. Uh, then he has a question about Alex Leatherwood and Noah Igbenogany, a potential trade situation. Well, we know that Leatherwood was released and claimed by the Chicago Bears and Noah Igbenogany is on the Dolphins roster. So I guess that kind of answers the question right away. But I appreciate the, the question and the review. Lightning Lou, I uh, hope you enjoy listening to this podcast and more going into the season. Up next from Kevin Reynolds, 27, he writes... Travis is really the first podcaster I ever listened to. I've been a Dolphins fan for over 35 years, my whole life, and his knowledge and passion for the Miami Dolphins has helped me become an even bigger fan. That's like, that's the goal, man. I appreciate that, Kevin. That's what we're going for here, trying to, you know, I find more enjoyment through more knowledge of the game, which is kind of the approach here. Uh, he says, I became a fan on Locked On Dolphins days and couldn't be happier for him to transition to the Dolphins official podcast. Talks about following Tua throughout his college career. That was a fun year in 2019, tracking all the college players uh, with that loaded draft cl- uh, capital the Dolphins had in 2020. My biggest takeaway is that even though Travis has all the football knowledge and scouting information, he still comes across as a huge fan of the team, just like one of us. If you're a Dolphins fan, you have to listen to this podcast. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate that. Uh, taking the time to write in. Next here from, oh, I like this name, The Master and Margarita. Good stuff. Five stars, he writes. Born in 1979, fan my entire life. Listen to the podcast with my 80-year-old dad. Admittedly, this is a team's podcast, but he provides honest and entertaining commentary. I, thank you for that. Entertaining, that certainly is the next biggest aspect in terms of informative that we're going for or trying to accomplish here on this podcast. So I really appreciate that. And also, <laughs> my apologies for all the obscure kind of 
early, mid, late 2000s, early aughts references that I make that probably missed the demographic that you're referring to there uh, with you and your father. But thank you again so much. That that really means a lot. I th- oh, you signed it John at the end. Your name is John. So the master and margarita is, in fact, John. Rob Wilson, 92, writes, love the show, Travis. Uh, perfect. Love it. Thank you very much. Next one is from John SHS. Great show. Give it a listen. Five stars. Perfect. We like those. Uh, short and sweet to the point. And we will take those five stars any day. Next one here from Alkaline B. He writes, Travis was awesome at Locked On. Even better uh, even better here with improved audio quality and backing. He is my source for all things Fins. Thank you so much, Alkaline. It's funny, you know, the football stuff was always easy because it, it was such a passion. So it's more like second nature. But the improvement of the audio engineer skills was certainly a labor of love. Uh, but I'm so glad it's become a second nature skill of mine now. Certainly, you know, a big part of this podcast. Um, these aren't all positive. I appreciate the ones that are and the ones that aren't as well. Here's one that I've seen several times before, often updated, which means you still listen to the podcast, which is uh, always interesting to me. One star, fanboy, same old Travis, no honesty. Well, I appreciate your honesty, Ghost Sons 54321. You know, I've seen that name in there a few times, so keep on updating them. One star, five star, they still help the algorithm to get the podcast out to more listeners, which is the goal. So appreciate y'all. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come right back to two mailbag segments. Here, your questions about this Dolphins football team. The Twitter inbox is packed full. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. All right, putting this podcast together at a time where I see 36 questions in the Twitter mailbag. My apologies if I did not get to yours. We simply can't do that many. And Pat Perk, hey, limit one per customer, sir. <laughs> Just firing off seven of them doesn't work that way. Pat's a friend of mine, don't worry. I'm not roasting a stranger on the podcast here. Uh, at JaffeXY, already putting my pronunciation deficiency in action here. JaffeXY asks... How do you feel the O-line will develop with Teron Armstead coming in? Well, I'm glad you asked because those guys like Teron Armstead are easy to talk about when they are that good at football. Teron's the kind of player that makes every single person around him better. He's going to have answers for, you know, Liam Eikenberg when he has questions about how to best handle, hey, what do you want on your inside post when they slant the end in here on the, on the pass rush? Or tips for Austin Jackson on the other side about how to handle, hey, I, I faced, you know, Carl Lawson back in 2019, he has this go-to move. Keep an eye on that. And then on top of that, the impact he had was so tangible when he got into team drills at practice. Like you can slide protection away and just trust him against literally anybody in the world one-on-one. I would put him in pass pro against any rusher, healthy pound for pound, Teron Armstead one-on-one. That's what he did for the Saints constantly. That's who he's been here in practice so far. And when I say there isn't a weakness in his game, that's the truth, man. The one thing that has been a bugaboo for him is just the injury bug. That's that's really it, which is obviously just kind of a random thing that sometimes occurs in a guy's career. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it happens a lot. Sometimes never at all. You know, as for the rest of the offensive line, I just think this system is great for the types of athletes they have. We heard a lot of support and trust from Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel and the rest of the staff, really, in terms of how they feel about the recent draft picks along the offensive line. I think you've seen that come to fruition this camp in preseason. You got to do it when the lights come on here in September, obviously, but I think it's super encouraging. Like Rob Hunt, to me, has a chance to make really, really big strides this year and I think be a damn good football player. He looks really good. 
Uh, let's go ahead and get to one of Pat's questions here, you crazy guy. At Patty Perk asks, Travis, when are you going to lace him up and actually do something good for this team you claim to love? Pat, my man, uh, me lacing them up would be the worst decision this team could make. Now, maybe if you didn't get lost and drive home through the night when you were supposed to come fly down here for training camp, you could have seen that I'm about 160 pounds soaking wet, but you decided to sleep in Detroit and drive back to Columbus for some reason. You know, I look skinny next to kicker, sir. So not a good idea. Uh, next, at dhicks O two zeros asks, do you think keeping five tight ends, two of which can run so well, adds to the element of surprise from an offensive perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the way that this defensive front has so many different roles and variations of what guys can do, you know, one with a certain front, two with a certain different type of call, like a rush game, three, a certain matchup where, you know, player X, in week two is different than player Y in week three in terms of their skill set, and you want to exploit a, maybe a particular weakness, it's not that dissimilar on offense. And I think that's where the importance of this camp at the skill groups on offense rotating through with different quarterbacks and among one another, you know, one rep you'd have Tyreek with Waddle and Cedric Wilson, and then you'd have Tyreek with, you know, Preston Williams and Lynn Bowden, for instance. And this offense does a good job of exposing vulnerabilities in a defense and attacking them relentlessly. So let's say one week you have a defense that refused to go to their base package and wants to keep a nickel back on the field all game, you know, not matching personnel. Well, okay, then you can line up in a 12 personnel package with two tight ends and run the football because now you have a 230, 245 pound tight end blocking a, you know, 200 pound safety or better 185 pound nickel cornerback. And look at all the good blockers we have at receiver too. Like Trent Sherfield is a great blocker. Eric Ezukama sure as hell can do it. Cedric Wilson can. And then Waddle and Hill aren't the biggest guys, but they'll they'll do it to their best of their abilities, which a lot of times in that position is, is enough out there on the perimeter. Uh, if they make a decision to slide one of those safeties down in that package, maybe you say, all right, well now we'll put Tyreek or Jalen in there. And all of a sudden they're thinking about the run. And now we expose that vacancy in the vertical element of their defense. So it's a matchup based league and Miami has skill groups, as coach said, where they knew they'd have to cut NFL ready players at both running back and wide receiver. So it's a great question, but this is, this skill group is, it's, it looks pretty dang good out there so far uh, in the month of August. At Darren Herzman, Herzman asks, how much does the final preseason game impact roster cuts? Do coaches have a pretty good idea prior to the game based on the entire camp, or does the final preseason game really move the needle? That's a really good question, and allow me to preface it with this. I don't have intimate knowledge of that, but I do think it's a team-by-team -team case. Like, did you catch the last Hard Knocks episode on Tuesday? Dan Campbell sure as hell sent the message to the team that this is like your chance to make a play and make it hard on us as a coaching staff. He had this speech about the balance between talented players who make mistakes and guys who maybe aren't as talented but do everything right. And they even discussed how the loss of a certain player in the locker room might anger other guys on the team. Just about how it's a delicate ecosystem that requires very delicate attention to detail and a very tough job. Now, Coach did allude to the final spots on a or to the last final spots on a roster at a recent press conference. So if I were forced to paint with a broader brush, I would say that most of the time teams have an idea about a good chunk, maybe somewhere between 45 and 50 players. But a good example is a guy like Cater Kohu. You know, his level of competition at Texas A&M Commerce 
Now, he's well-built, athletic as hell, but you just can't know how he's going to handle the step up in competition. Like, yeah, he had the good all-star season this, you know, back in January, February, and handled that step up in competition, but this is the NFL. (laughs) These are the best players on the planet. So when a guy like that sticks and the coaches are like, okay, we've got something here, that's when I think some of those quote-unquote surprises can come into play. And to finish it off, Coach has been adamant about not shortchanging the process and letting everything play out before coming to a conclusion. So that last game 100% matters. So does the entire body of work too. So I hope that I hope that makes sense. Let's go to our last break here and come back with some more mailbag questions. And I want to tell you another Jason Jenkins story. I uh, just can't stop thinking about the guy, so we're going to keep talking about him here. On the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Let's keep the mailbag rolling here with Paul McGuire at Paul Quan Con McGuire at Paul Con McGuire. Hey, Travis, this is my 38th season following the team from afar from Scotland. Wow. This is me now talking. I always marvel at the international fan base because of the time of our games in your homeland. It's crazy. Uh, back to Paul here. This is the most excited I've been about our roster in years. Great to hear season tickets have sold out. What do you sense the general feeling within the building about the team's chances are this year? Well, again, Paul, thank you for your support from over there in Scotland. The excitement is certainly palpable, although you know we have heavy hearts the last uh, week or so here around the building. But uh, once things get going, I'm sure football will help kind of uh, ease that grieving process. But we've heard this from both Chris and Coach about the decisions to trim the roster to 53 and how tough that was. You know, Tyreek certainly brings a different energy and a definitive energy, I should say, that you can feel throughout the entire building. And then obviously with Coach's positivity, it's hard not to have that rub off on you. People are pumped, man. But we also know that additions don't equal success and they got to go out there and earn it. And I can't wait to watch them, you know, write the story of this season with their play on the field. Uh, at Patty Perk, one question per customer, sir. Stay out of here. At SoxFan70, why haven't they sought to bring in a veteran corner? They have. They brought in Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, he was at it after Trill Williams went down and also endured his own injuries. So it happens. Then at the Tuesday press conference, Chris Greer told us they're searching the waiver wire all night after Tuesday, and I can promise you that has not stopped. Shoot, by the time you hear this podcast, uh, we probably will have some changes as it pertains to practice squad announcements and things of that nature. I would just urge the same message I did back in March when there are, you know, widespread social media panic about the team not being active enough before free agency is even kicked off, like the tampering period. This isn't a process that ends in one hour. So if there's a chance to make the team better, Chris, Mike, and Brandon Shore are going to do it. So just bottom line that. At Gabe Gino 13 What's up, Gabe? Long time, man. Gabe asks, we have been... Uh, we have to be prepared for defenses to play us like they did the Chiefs last year, right? Therefore, not as many deep shots as some might be expecting. I'm already preparing for the outrage (laughs) when Tua goes deep one or two times the first few games, when in reality, he just takes what he was given. Well, there's a lot to unpack here, Gabe, and it's all very good. First, if you're hoping to find resolution and logic on social, uh, I'll borrow Coach's quote from Tuesday's presser. If you hold your breath on that, you're going to pass out. (laughs) So don't do that. Uh, in fact, tomorrow I'm bringing back the scan, the social segment. My whole shtick is that it's not going to change. Like goalposts will always be mo- a moving and whatever gets the people talking and clicking is going to be selling and driving. That's just how it is done nowadays, unfortunately. But uh, mental gymnastics to prove one is right is more important than educating oneself for the most part. So uh, I digress. But um, 
Now, as for the defensive looks we'll see, it's a great point. That's the still the craziest thing to me about that Tyreek deep ball against the Eagles. They were in a two-high shell, and they played quarters, which gives you you know four defensive backs gaining depth and each playing a quarter of the field. And Cheetah still you know got on top of that. I got as a a deep ball limiting type of defense, and he just ran by dudes. And the thing I love about this offense is that I think they have several routes to playing winning football within the capabilities and the arsenal they have. If you want to play with a pair of safeties off the ball, fine, we'll run the ball until they change it. Use the screen game and force them to come from that depth and make open field tackles on those freaky fast dudes out wide. There are many ways to attack with the weapons you have and the sk- in the system that you have and the quarterback that you have. You want to play zero or cover one, then we got, you know, sh- stretch the legs, guys. Get ready and take take it deep. You go to the deep part of the field. Go intermediate. Go quick game. I think you can run it. There are all ways that complement each other as well. Like, look at Raheem Mostert on that first drive against the Eagles. All three pa- uh, pass plays were play action, and just look at the flow of that second level, trying to contend with getting width against those wide run looks, and then trying to recover to get back. Effective speed can do that with vertical stretch, but it's just as important that they can do it with the horizontal stretch. I think they did a fantastic job of constructing this thing for that. Like, I mean, you know, an offense that wants to really chew up yak for Tyreek and Jalen, man, and Eric Ezukama's a beast in that department. Cedric Wilson had great success with it last year. We saw what, you know, Chase Edmonds can do after the catch. Raheem has that big play speed. Uh, it's, it's all the way across the roster. I just think the way to recap this answer is to say that the offense is constructed to have answers for the adjustments and to go to a secondary, third, or fourth route to victory on any given Sunday, which is something every team that wants to, you know, win double digit games, make the playoffs, win a division and be a factor in January. They all have to have that. All right. Good spot to call it right there. I appreciate all the questions about which vets we should look out for. Understand the questions, but I just can't get into that about who I think should be available to sign. It's not It's just not uh, something I do here. So let's end with this. I'm going to do a quick Jason Jenkins story today as I continue to battle with, you know, how to grieve with this, um, it's, you know, I loss is, I guess not is a case by case basis as a football term would be. And, you know, part of me says, keep it to yourself. Part of me says the human experience is sharing it with others for empathy and understanding is the best way to do it. And also I love spreading the memory of a great person. So, uh, with that, my wife is a teacher. When she first moved down here, she asked if the team could potentially give her some dolphins themed classroom supplies And I said, I think I might just know a guy that can help us with that. So Jason and I had a meeting scheduled together later that week, our, you know, bi-weekly 30 minutes that I'm going to miss so, so very much. I learned more in those 30 minutes than really, you know, anything else. And, um, you know, think about that. Who looks forward to a half hour with their boss? That's just who Jason was, man. So in this meeting, after, you know, our pleasantries and his trash talk about my Mariners, and as he always did, he asked about Kaylin and Caroline. And I said, well, I'm glad you mentioned Mrs. Wingfield because um, she has a favor to ask of you. And I explained to him that she was trying to score some points with her new students. And before I could finish the ask, the ask, he said, you know, say less, say less, fam. And he goes to his computer and fires off an email. And that same week, I get home one day and there's a box full of hundreds of dolphins, pencils and rulers and stickers for the kids, all kinds of stuff. But it was the smile that stretched across his face when he processed this was an ask to give back to the community in a way. And there was nothing he loved more. So again, Jason Jenkins, we're going to miss you, man. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. The Twitter Spaces Show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities. Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content on there as well. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy's coming home.